0: Welcome to Let's Get Civical.
1: This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie.
0: And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist.
1: In this episode, we're talking about Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg.
0: So grab your dissent.
1: And let's get civical. Hi. Hi. Arden and I are drinking. It's gonna be (laughs) one of those episodes.
0: (laughs) Clink, 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 clink,
1: clink! clink, clink. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, it's just one of those episodes. But it is, this is the first time I think we're drinking, and it's not about like an alcoholic Mm. subject. That's true. But I feel like to have a drink. For this subject is appropriate.
0: I feel like we're having it's a toast. It's a toast. It's a toast to our subject. Our topic.
1: Our topic, which who is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Queen of SCOTUS. Queen of SCOTUS. We've been waiting to do it. We've been waiting for the right moment. And you know what? Here in at the end of all things, it feels (laughs) like the right moment just to get it in. As the apocalypse just to sneak it in. Yes,
0: as the apocalypse comes upon us, it is time to Mm -hmm. talk about. The great Ruth. The great Ruth. The great Lady Ruth.
1: The great Ruth. I mean, it's, she's the best. Yeah. She's the best. It's like when I went to do these notes, I was just like, there are there are so many things to say about yeah. her. And I know I'm going to miss something important. So just know that I love her. But there are also like so many amazing things that have been made about her life. Yeah. Like, I mean, the RBG documentary is phenomenal. Mm. If you haven't watched yep. it, go watch it. Go watch it. Go watch it. It's the
0: wine. (laughs) It's already (laughs) already taken effect. We're already intoxicated.
1: I'm already intoxicated. I'm drinking a red wine. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a rosé. Oh, yes. Of course. Mm -hmm, Of course. mm -hmm. That is your signature. Yeah. But I'm really excited to talk about Ruth. And this is our last of the SCOTUS biopic biopic series. You tell me. I don't know which one it is. And I know we've talked about it before, but... I forgot. <laughs> I forgot, and that's fine. But this is the sheet. We're we're rounding it out. Yeah, it's it's done, and then we will. I mean, we'll continue doing biopics as we've already done with Marsha. But oh, right. As far as far as Scotus goes,
0: goodbye, goodbye and good luck until to the current nine. Yes, to the current nine until we get a new we one. We get a new one, which will
1: not happen until 2021. Yep, at the earliest. If you say it and you manifest it, it will come. I learned that from the book, The Secret. You have to manifest it. I'm going to manifest it. We're hopeful. We'll see. Yep. But we're not talking about the future. We're talking about the present. And I do mean that as, a, as the word present meaning time and present meaning gift because <laughs> RBG...
0: Is a gift to us all. Is a
1: gift. Is a gift. She's a gift. Yep. And I'm going to tell you about her life and... Her history and all of the fun things, and let's get ready to rumble. I'm gonna take a sip. Hold on. Yes.
0: yes you have to do all the talking this episode. I just I get know. to sit here and drink and react.
1: I did. I did. There. It's there. It's a lot of notes. Uh. There's. It's a lot of. It's a lot of court cases mm. because obviously R B G has been a part of approximately two billion significant court cases. So I tried to pull as many as I could. You know, we're gonna we're gonna just touch on some. We're going to get in depth with some others. I'm going to miss ones that are important. And
0: that's okay. It's okay. we all know she's doing a lot. Yeah. She's done a lot. She we just can't do it all in an hour. No. And she's done it all having various forms of cancers and sicknesses and...
1: Three times! <laughs> this poor woman! Three uh, times! God. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Let's start. At the beginning. A very so good These place beginning to notes.
0: Start. Sorry, did you think I wasn't okay. going to sing?
1: Did you think I was going to sing? I <laughs>
0: walked into it. You really? I, I jazz I squared
1: into it. I heard
0: what you were laying down and I simply yes. needed the space to pick it up.
1: Thank you for rising to the call of action, my- which was a sound of music moment. Okay, so at the beginning, this, these notes are coming from womenshistory.org. I love this website, it's such great. a great website. It's just uh, com- uh, all f- important women in one place, and they're great. They do great work. So, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was born on March fifteenth, 1933 in, hello, Brooklyn, New York. <gasps> oh. She is, I know, it's, it's here. She was born in my
0: apartment, <laughs> right here on this, my new couch that I just got delivered today. The biggest couch in New York City.
1: The biggest couch, guys,
0: it's, side quick
1: the quickest sidebar. I have the largest couch in New York City in my in my living room now. It's luxurious it's so and luscious. Big. It's enormous. It, and I'm so pleased. It can fit like four people lying. I was
0: gonna, say, I was down. gonna say you could have <laughs> a legit slumber party and everybody would yes. be comfortable.
1: Yes. And that's all I ever want. Yeah. I love a couch moment. I love it. So she was born in Brooklyn, New York. She's 87 years of age. Oh, my goodness. So she's definitely one of the oldest. I think Clarence might be older, but one of the oldest on the court, obviously. She was born to a Jewish family.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Do we think?
1: Wait, wait, wait. What, what, what? (laughs) What, what, what?
0: What's the conspiracy? Everybody's always worried about, like... On on the left, like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg hanging on until Biden gets elected and he can appoint somebody. Do we imagine that if Biden gets elected, that Clarence Thomas would hang on for those four years? Like, like, or do we think we're going to get another appointment out of that?
1: That's such a great question. I kind of, my vibe from Clarence, and of course we've, you know, had many encounters, Mm. is that I don't think that he is at all really plugged in to to what him stepping down would mean. Yeah. I think he is very much like when he's done with it, he'll step down and he could not care less about the political ramifications that would result from that.
0: I kind of appreciate that. I can appreciate that.
1: Sure. I mean, it's like that's how he just runs his whole thing on, on SCOTUS, which is just like he's going to sit there and not say anything and make his decision ahead of time. And, yep. you know, like... I don't think, I don't, I really, I genuinely don't think that he cares when he retires. I also don't see him, I don't see him retiring from the bench. I see if he, there's a vacancy, I think it's because he passed. Mm. Bold statement. Bold statement. Like,
0: yeah. 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 No, but I think I agree. I just, I just needed yeah. to like throw that out there and see where it landed. No,
1: it's, it's a fair question. I mean, they're both quite
0: up there. I
1: don't even, let's just quickly look. Oh my God. I couldn't have been more off. He's 72 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I really thought that they were much closer. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, Clarence. He
0: he does not look 72 and I'm sorry. He doesn't look, like when you said 80 something, I was like, that might be a bit high, but he is awfully gray. (laughs) He's awfully gray. No, he is,
1: it's, you know what? Steven is 81 years old
0: which he looks no older than 66. No. He is a stallion, Might a I young say, stallion, Stephen Breyer. Yeah,
1: hold on. Scotus ages. If you hear me typing, like come on, get over it. Oh, yep. So it's so RBG is the oldest at 87 years old. Okay. Stephen is 81 years old and then it's Clarence at 72 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then John John is 65. Oh, sorry. Alito is 70. John is 65. Sonia is 66 years old, and she does not look a day over 52, honey. She, she looks
0: good.
1: Wait, how old is... And Elaine Yegan a- is also in her 60s. They both look amazing. These
0: ladies looking hot.
1: Yeah. Neil Gorsuch is the baby at 52 years old.
0: Aw. Which we
1: did talk about. Yes. Yep. He's, a, he's in, from the womb. But yes, yes. So that is the ages. Okay. Sorry, Clarence, for <laughs> aging you fifteen years.
0: <laughs> Listen, he's done worse to people.
1: I mean, so sorry, so so sorry. But my but my sentiment about him being replaced still stands. Yes, yes. Yeah. Whenever that happens. That
0: makes total sense.
1: Okay. Yeah. Back to RBG. Yes. So, she was born to a Jewish family. Her father, Nathan Bader, immigrated to the United States, while her mother, Celia Amster Bader, was a native of New
0: York. Oh. Hello. Hello. So, she is
1: obviously Jewish, yep. and we love to see that. For her education, she attended PS238, oh. if anybody knows it, for elementary school, and James Madison High School in Brooklyn, which I'm almost 100% certain my boyfriend also
0: went to. Really?
1: Not that they are in the same category at all, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure he went to James I Matt didn't realize
0: that your boyfriend was a native New Yorker. Yeah, he was born and raised in Brooklyn. I had no idea. Ah, Yes, my boyfriend is Ruth Bader
1: Ginsburg, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've been keeping it under wraps. Are you joking? I do he, not deserve her at all. He
0: really, uh, like...
1: He's taking her path. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking her path, and I do appreciate that. That's so good. So, she, yes, she went to high school in Brooklyn and um, before continuing on to attend Cornell University. And Ginsburg graduated from Cornell with a BA in 1954. So, after graduating from Cornell, and this is the story that I think a lot of people know, Ginsburg started attending Harvard Law School. And while at Harvard, Ginsburg was one of only nine women in a class of 500 students. She often faced gender discrimination and was asked to explain how she felt about taking a spot in the program that was meant for a man. Uh, I, bet she felt, I bet she felt great. I bet I she, felt great. I would
0: be like, I feel fucking fabulous about I feel that. literally amazing. I feel, I feel 10 out of 10. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Can't
1: recommend this enough. Yeah. Take, take the spots. Take it. Take it. So a fun fact right off the bat, she became the first female member of the Harvard Law
0: Reveal. Get it, sister. Of
1: course she did. Get it, sister. Ginsburg transferred to Columbia Law School in 1958 for her final year. Um, it's because her husband moved to New York, so she transferred to finish her studies in New York. Mm. During her studies, she made both... As I said, the Harvard and also the Columbia Law Review. And she ended up graduating with her law degree, the LLB or the LL Bean, from Columbia in 1959. First in her class.
0: First in her class. Ah, oh, get it. Get it, honey. What a life's work. And, like at this, oh, she's I know. Like, already like achieved more.
1: And just you wait.
0: Than most humans. There's
1: more. There's more. Sip of my wine, and here we go. Okay, so let's talk about her road to Scotus. Okay, and this is coming from CNN, and of course, oh yay! Oh yay! Oh yay! Oh yay! It is. It infiltrates these notes. Obviously, we love them so
0: much. I feel like it would be sacrilege to do an episode that involves a court case of any kind and not use "oh yay."
1: It's such a helpful tool. I don't understand what you would find that's better than "oh yay." Literally nothing, frankly.
0: Yeah. Literally
1: nothing. Even her, so this is after graduation, even her exceptional academic record was not enough to shield her from gender-based discrimination women faced in the workplace in the 1960s. She had difficulties finding a job until a favorite Columbia professor explicitly refused to recommend any other graduates before U.S. District Judge Edmund L. Pamiri hired Ginsburg as a clerk. So this professor is like... You're not getting a single name. I want to know. From me.
0: I want to know who that is. I want to elevate this random Columbia professor who was like, Oh, did not give me the name. Oh. But
1: shout out to this Columbia yes. professor yes. for being like, You don't get a single name until you hire Ginsburg. Yep. She's the best. She's the best. She's the best.
0: Why would you want anybody else? Literally the top of her class. Exactly. Top of
1: the class. So from 1959 to 1961, she was a law clerk to that judge in the U.S. District Court Southern District of New York. Love. Love. And then from
0: 1961 to
1: 1963, she was a research associate and associate director of the Project of International Procedure at Columbia Law School. Wow. Okay. And then from 1963 to 1972... She was a professor at Rutgers University School of Law. So we're seeing the the teaching route, which we've seen before. Shout out to Elena Kagan. We know you. We love you. Then after that, from 1972 to 1980, she was a professor at Columbia University School of Law. And there, she became the first woman to be hired with tenure. Wow. tenure. Damn. First, First professor. Yeah. To get tenure. Wow. 1972 people. That's so recent. So recent, so recent. Also at the same time while she's this law professor at Columbia, so from 1973 to 1980, pretty much the same amount of time, she is also the general she's a part of the general counsel for the ACLU. Shut the front door. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the arguments that she argued in front of the Supreme Court were ACLU like
0: their cases. Stuck.
1: Yeah, she set up a, I don't know if I put this in the notes. Hold on. She co-founded the Women's Rights Project at the ACLU. So while she's working for them, she co-founds the Women's Rights Project, which is, you know, most of the um, cases that she argued in front of SCOTUS, which we'll talk about in a little bit, Mm -hmm. were gender discrimination cases. Like, that's why it's become her legacy to be this advocate for gender discrimination.
0: God, I love that story. Yes.
1: Then from, so that was until 1980. Then from 1980 to 1993, she was a judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, the big, big circuit. She was nominated by the love of my life,
0: Jimmy Carter. (laughs) Jimmy! (laughs) Who knows, he knows talent when he sees it. Oh, God, I
1: mean, can you believe it, can
0: Jimmy? Believe it? Yeah.
1: Jimmy, had it. Finger on the pulse, on the pulse, Jimmy Carter, the
0: pulse of on the, the pulse. future, Jimmy Carter.
1: Yes. And fun fact: while on this appeals court, she served with Clarence Thomas. God,
0: like they've just spent what is A lot that of time forty together. years together? A lot of time. Oh my together. God, I think I might cry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just sob. Just, I would just walk Just in. start sobbing. I would just, like, see him and I'd be like, you're still here.
0: <laughs> My wine is kicking in. How? How?
1: Okay. Um, obviously, she is nominated by President Bill Clinton to become a justice of the Supreme Court, and on August 10th, 1993, she is sworn in as a Supreme Court justice, filling in the seat held by Justice Byron White. Fun fact, this is six days before my literal birth. <gasps> <gasps> Damn, girl. <laughs> so I, like, you... so, and, and then I was like, because I, I was so I was cooking in the womb, and she got sworn in, and I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready.
0: I can be birthed now. I'm ready now. now. Yep.
1: Here we go. Here we go. I love that you I'm haven't.
0: No, I mean, like, I was alive, but was I paying attention to any of this shit? Not really. No,
1: I mean, I would love it if you were.
0: I mean, I, I do remember watching the uh, the Clinton impeachment trial, but th- I mean, this I didn't, I don't remember. But I do love that you haven't known a Supreme Court without RBG. That's true.
1: My entire life yeah. has been RBG. I've been protected by RBG. Yep. Yeah. So with that, let's talk about notable cases. Right. Again, there are 1,500 billion cases that <laughs> RBG has done that are of significance. If I don't say one that you wanted me to say, just. Let me be. There's a lot coming at you, and I think these are great ones. Great. So these notes are coming predominantly from Oyez, obviously, but a couple of tidbits from History.com, and kind of amazingly enough, Teen Vogue. They do good they work. Had this, they do this. I mean, they had this amazing, like, summary of some of her most, like, notable cases, and I was Ooh. like, this is such a great resource. So shout out to Emma Saren Webster and Caitlin Wolper. Like, do they do the great work, work they honey. do great work they do great work so shout out to them so the first case i want to talk about is not actually a case of her as a supreme court justice but it is the first case that she argued in front oh, of the God. supreme court cuz she did do that Okay. Uh, so this is Frontario v richardson and this one is this is what's coming from um history.com so when a woman in the US Air Force applied for benefits for her dependent husband, she was told that she would have to prove he was a dependent, even though men in the Air Force didn't have to prove that their wives were dependent on them.
0: Oh sh wives
1: are inherently
0: dependent. Because they're property. <laughs> property In an
1: amicus brief, Ginsburg used the statute to argue that gender-based discrimination hurt men, too. Quote, why, she asked the court during oral arguments, did the framers of the 14th Amendment regard racial discrimination as odious? Because a person's skin color bears no necessary relationship to ability. Similarly, a person's sex bears no necessary relationship to ability. So she's obviously like, we don't deem somebody's race to be a deciding factor on how well they can perform. Right. And the same should be said about sex. Right. Like, it's an arbitrary thing. Yeah. Basically. The Supreme Court found the benefit policy violated the Constitution and argued that because of the United States' long history of gender-based discrimination, the court should use a strict standard of judicial scrutiny for laws that use sex as a classification. So this really opens the floodgates. It's the first time that the Supreme Court is like, you know what? We need to keep an eye out for laws that are about, like, are, are using sex as a reason to be discriminatory. Right. And we need to be hard on those. It's
0: like the Voting That's Rights Act, not... but for gender,
1: but for gender, um, and this is like where her whole gender equality crusade begins. It's with this case.: Wow, and this is a this was a trend with her when she was arguing cases, when she was taking on cases and doing something brilliant, where it was cases where the there were sex discrimination cases, but they were against. There were men being discriminated, oh. discriminated against. Oh,
0: she's so good.
1: And she was, she was using, she was using those cases to be like, these men are being discriminated against because they're men, mm-hmm. and that was proving a larger point. It's like you can't, if you, if you want to outlaw discrimination on the basis of sex, it has to be both ways. Yep,
0: genius, genius, it's, it's, it's genius, it's, it's genius. God, she's so good. So, and that
1: was in 1973. Shout out. So, next up, she's on the court. Okay. This is United States versus Virginia, and this was in 1996. So, when 1996 started, the Virginia Military Institute was the country's last remaining all-male public undergraduate college or university. But by the end of the year, that would no longer be the case, thanks in part to Ginsburg. The United States filed a suit against the school arguing that the gender-exclusive admissions policy violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. Yes, it did. The case reached the Supreme Court, where the state of Virginia argued not only that women weren't properly suited (gasps) for VMI's rigorous training— But also that the state's creation of a separate military program at the women's only liberal arts school, Mary Baldwin University, was sufficiently equal. It's like, so this is over here that's all all women and therefore it's a wash. Right. The court disagreed and struck down VMI's all-male admissions policy... With Ginsburg writing the majority opinion that made it clear gender equality is a constitutional right. Yes, and and, and I quote, <gasps> neither the goal of producing citizen soldiers nor VMI's implementing methodology is inherently unsuitable to women. She wrote later, adding, quote, generalizations about quote the way women are end quote estimates of what is appropriate for most women. No longer justify denying opportunity to women whose talent and capacity place them outside the average description. No more generalizations, people. Yep.
0: No more. Nope. God, that's so good. I know. She's so smart. She's so smart. She's so smart. She's scrappy. She's like. She's She's scrappy. Oh, she's like. She's she's from Brooklyn. She's from Brooklyn. She's Brooklyn scrappy. Like, come on. She's
1: Brooklyn scrappy i love brooklyn shout out to just all of brooklyn i love you a (laughs) lot just happy to be here we're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors
2: are you ready to shop rakuten's big give week is back And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Next up is Olmsted VLC in 1999. This one is very interesting. So the facts of the case are two women with mental illnesses and developmental disabilities were voluntarily admitted to a psychiatric unit in the state-run Georgia Regional Hospital. Elaine Wilson had been diagnosed with personality disorder, while Lois Curtis was diagnosed with schizophrenia. So those are the two women. Okay. Once they both completed treatment, the women were deemed ready for a move to a community-based program, but the move never happened. Wilson and Curtis were kept confined in the institution for several years after completing treatment. What the fuck? I know. So it was argued that under Title II of the 1990 Americans with Disability Act, the women had to be moved to the most communally integrated setting possible. Defending the Georgia Regional Hospital's decision, Olmstead who was Georgia's commissioner for human resources, so that's why his name is on there, argued that although the women were medically cleared for a more integrated treatment setting, financial constraints and the need to fundamentally alter treatment programs prevented this from happening. Fuck so he's you! Arg- I know. He's arguing that we weren't discriminating
0: against them.
1: We just didn't have the money. So it's not, we're not violating this
0: act. That's insane. Also, this is 1990 fucking nine, 1999, nine eleven is two years later. Two years later. This is appalling. Holy appalling. shit! So
1: the question that was posed to the Supreme Court was: Should financial constraints entirely determine whether states comply by the 1990 Americans with Disability Act guidelines? Concerning community treatment programs for the mentally disabled. No. And in a six to three decision. Oh my no. no. No, no, no. Oh God, could you imagine if
0: they were like, "Yeah, if you don't get the money, you don't got to do it." That would be 100%. the end of everything. Hundred
1: percent. I can imagine that though. That would be the end. I mean,
0: this, the '90s
1: court. Come on, I can. That's totally true. The '90s court. That. Yes. But six to three, they said no. And this, and so this is, this became a landmark case for disability rights. And so the court found that the ADA, so the Americans with Disability Act, required the placement of patients with mental disabilities in integrated settings when they're medically cleared for such settings, and they themselves express a desire for such settings, and the resources for such a transfer are available. The court added that financial constraints might be significant if the state can show that the allocation of resources to one patient will cause harm to others. I just, so basically, they're like, this could, you could have won this case if you could have proven that right. to do this would have been harmful right. to other patients. But like, no, not, you won't, because that wasn't your argument. Know. Yeah. No. Ginsburg wrote the opinion and said, quote, public entities must provide community based services to persons with disabilities when such services are appropriate. The affected persons do not oppose community-based treatment, and community-based services can reason- can be reasonably accommodated. And, like, that, like, was kind of the first case of its kind when you're dealing with, like, this type of disability case. Right. And she's up there being like, let's go. Let's go.
0: Wrote the opinion. You can't keep people in a treatment center when they've completed their treatment and not transfer yep. them out just because you don't have the money to do so.
1: Yes, that is exactly what they're saying. That is
0: exactly what they're saying. I love yes. that. It's astonishing to me that that is so recent.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, honey. This... We have just we've just come around to some things. I mean, Oh
0: god, yeah. Honestly. Yep.
1: Okay, next one is just a friendly uh, face. We oh know god. it, we love it. Uh. It's obviously
0: Bush v. Gore I'm in 2000. So, I'm so angry. Oh, my God. If Oh, God. Okay.
1: We know. It, we love it, you know? Okay. So th- a quick summary, because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Bush v. Gore. This case ended up at the Supreme Court after George W. Bush's campaign filed an emergency application to stop a Florida Supreme Court mandate for a manual recount of the ballots in the 2000 presidential election against then-Vice President Al Gore. The Supreme Court granted Bush's application, and critics say the court's decision to end the recount effectively gave Bush the victory in Florida and the national electoral college. So they gave Bush the win. I really in this decision.
0: like. I, this is the start of the end of it.
1: The beginning of the end is right here. It's the beginning of the end. It's right here it's Bush the of the end
0: is Bushvore? Like that's the title Ginsburg of the felt movie it too. <laughs> huh? Ginsburg felt it too.
1: Ginsburg felt it too.
0: That's the title of the movie. Is the beginning of the end?
1: Yes. Because obviously Ginsburg wrote a dissenting opinion in which she disagreed with the court's favoring of Bush. She famously wrote in her opinion, "quote I dissent." The phrase was a somewhat harsh departure from the court's decorum, which means dissenting justices usually use the term respectfully.
0: <laughs> I respectfully dissent, and she was like, "I respectfully nah, dissent. bitch. I, I just dissent." dissent.
1: I fully dissent. I 100% dissent. I, with no reservations,
0: (laughs) dissent. Dissent. I just want to make sure that all y'all across the states know.
1: I dissent. I want no part of this.
0: Nope. Not me. Stay par Wash my hands of this. Mm -mm. I am done. Absolutely not. Yep.
1: Okay. Another big case for her. This is one of her more notable ones. This is Ledbetter, the oh. Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. Do you know L- it? 2006? Lily Leadbetter. Lily Ledbetter. Lily Leadbetter. Yeah. L- 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 yeah. L- so here are the facts of the case. Over her 19-year career at Goodyear Tire, Lily Ledbetter was consistently given low rankings and annual performance and salary reviews and low raises relative to other employees. Ledbetter sued Goodyear for gender discrimination in violation of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, alleging that the company had given her a low salary because of her gender. A jury found for Ledbetter and awarded her over $3.5 million, which the district judge later reduced to $360,000.
0: That's a big difference. Uh, yeah, it's, I would say, $3 million difference. That's
1: $3 million. $3 $3 million in That's bullshit. Of course it's bullshit. That's this whole some thing bullshit.
0: Is bullshit. That's some bullshit. A jury yes. was like, we 12 think you are owed this money, and some bitch-ass judge is like, no. no. 360000
1: No. No, no.
0: Yep. Well, just wait.
1: It gets worse. Right. So Goodyear appealed, obviously, citing a Title VII provision that requires discrimination complaints to be made within 180 days of the employer's discriminatory conduct. The jury had examined Ledbetter's entire career for evidence of discrimination, but Goodyear argued that the jury should have only considered the one annual salary review that had occurred within the 180-day limitation period before Ledbetter's complaint. So it's basically like, ignore the... 19, 18 yes. and a half other years, and you can only take, you can only examine one year's worth.
0: Ignore, ignore the patterned behavior, ignore mm-hmm. the time, you know.
1: Yeah. So the question that SCOTUS faced was, can a plaintiff bring a salary discrimination suit when the disparate pay is received during the 180-day statutory limitation period, but is the result of discriminatory pay decisions that occurred outside the limitations period? So can we look beyond 180 right. days?
0: Because not even taking them, like taking those prior instances individually, they all add up.
1: Yes. Right? Like
0: you get the first raise and then your salary is higher than what it would have been. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly
1: right. Okay. The court said no. By a 5-4 vote, the court ruled that Ledbetter's claim was time barred by Title VII's limitation period. Obviously, RBG dissented, and in her yes. dissent, she called the majority's ruling out of tune with the realities of wage discrimination and a, quote, cramped interpretation of Title VII incompatible with the statute's broad remedial purpose. She suggested that, quote, the legislature may act to correct this court's, oh, my God, hold on, per- oh, you- sim. Persim- Sorry, hold on. I'm gonna sound it out. Yeah, you got per- parsimonious, parsimonious, parsimonious. No. What is it?
0: Parsimonious.
1: Parsimonious. Yeah, big word.
0: It's a big word. Reading parsimonious. It's not entirely clear where you would put the emphasis, like on which sure. syllable. Sure.
1: But you know what? Like what, she what I used did there. Yes. <laughs> yes. So good. <laughs> I'm here all night. Um, okay, so she quote said that the legislature may act to correct this court's parsimonious. Is that it? I don't know. Yeah, reading yeah, of yeah. Title Seven. So that was that was a big one for gender discrimination again. And uh, this is another notable dissent of hers. Obviously, yeah. I mean, she's the queen of dissent, as we know.
0: This is. I mean, this is a really like. This is a case that like this woman's life then. Because th- this is where the Lily Ledbetter Act came from, uh, that Obama oh, signed. Oh, just
1: hold that. Put a pin in that. Put oh, okay, a pin great. in it. I'm going to get to it. Okay, great. So I have two more cases left. They are, these are ones we're just, we're just stopping by on. Because why not? Another very famous dissent of hers is obviously Be Your well v. Hobby Lobby oh. in 2013. We know it. We love it. You can Fuck deny Hobby women Lobby. birth control because you're religious. Oh, my God. So if you want to read a very good dissent, check out that one from RBG, because she obviously wrote that dissent. Yep. And then finally, because we just did this case, obviously we had to stop by and take a look at a Obergefell v. Hodges in 2015. She voted in favor. Gay marriage was legalized in the United States. Yes. Just had to had to say it, and of course this the last case that I'm touching on is in 2015. There have been many significant cases that have come between 2015 and and literally June of this
0: year. June of this year, last month.
1: Yep. But what I when I got to like the 2015 era, you it got to a point where you can almost pretty much predict the way that R P G is gonna yep. is gonna swing. Yep. So that's why I just I felt we should end with with a because yeah
0: we just covered <sighs> we it. it and
1: yep. Yeah. And I wanted to have enough time for some fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun, facts, facts, fun facts, facts. facts, fun facts. So these are coming from, of course, oh yeah, CNN, Bustle, and Yahoo. Great. So if you didn't know, RBG is the second ever female justice to serve on the Supreme Court. Obviously, Sandra Day O'Connor was number one. RBG was number two. So she argued six cases in front of the Supreme Court. And they were, the first one that I mentioned, front- Frontario v. Richardson. Okay. Kahn v. Shevin. Weinberger v. Weinsfeld. Edwards v. Healy. Califano v. Goldfarb. Yep. And Duran v. Missouri. Those six cases that she argued, which is, like, very impressive.
0: She's just, like, been around this institution for the majority of her life. Right. Like, it's, that's very impressive.
1: She's very impressive. Yep. So I'm unpinning the thing we were just talking oh, great. about. Okay, great. Okay, great. Okay, great. First piece of legislation President Obama signed was the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act of 2009, and a copy of the signed legislation hangs in RBG's (gasps) office.
0: I didn't know that part. Yes. Uh, I uh, didn't know she had a cut. That makes so much sense. Of course it does. What a good president he was.
1: It's literally like it was the thing. It was she was like, this is a gender discrimination case and we lost it. And I literally
0: said that hopefully the yes. legislature can yes. correct this. Yes. And it did. And it did. And the president signed it. And like, she willed it into existence. This is did. manifesting people. Yep. This is the secret. This is the secret. RBG is the secret.
1: It's the secret. She's the secret. Yep. OK, another fun fact. While at Harvard Law and, and beyond, she was taking care of a 14-month-old child. She had a 14-month-old child and was enrolled in law school. So I just, I had to point it out because that, won't, that is a, a 14-month-old is a, is a lot to deal with.
0: That's a lot to do. They walk? They talk.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but they're still incredibly neat. I mean, she's a full-time mom and also at Harvard Law School trying not to, like, fail in front of these awful men who are like, we want you to
0: fail. We want you to fail. She couldn't fail.
1: She couldn't fail. Mm -mm. There's no room for failure. No. Probably not at the moment, but in the past, she usually does 20 push-ups a day followed by a 30-second plank, which is more than I will ever do. (laughs) (laughs) if you want to see her workout regime please watch rbg the documentary oh Oh my god it's so good it's so good this oh this will make you mad before she was added to the court there was only one bathroom on site at scotus and it was you guessed it a men's room
0: I hate you dot s dot. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I, lo- I, I enjoy America, but this bullshit really this
1: bullshit.
0: yanks my chain.
1: Justice O'Connor had to go back to her chambers if she needed to use the
0: restroom. I fucking hate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. mm Okay, this one is just for you. I was not going to put this here until I saw. Don't read anything. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not reading. So her favorite justice- was Justice Marshall Francis. And this is a quote from Ginsburg. Okay. He led the Marbury versus Madison case, ah! which confirms the legal principle of judicial review, AKA the ability of the Supreme Court to limit con- congressional power by declaring legislation unconstitutional. There's something nice about being able to dissent.
0: Oh. That's so beautiful. I know. That's her favorite. According to
1: Bustle, that's her favorite, which I'm sure this is from, like, an interview that she did.
0: Oh, tying it all together, I just love. I know. It's very exciting. It's very exciting.
1: All right. My last two fun facts are just great quotes from her. So um, this first quote uh, is her quote on trying to get hired after law school. So, quote, the traditional law firms were just beginning to turn around on hiring Jews. Jesus but to be Christ. a woman, a Jew, and a mother to boot, that combination was a bit too much. So let's just reckon.
0: I feel like she needed her own Supreme Court case. Like, I want to see Ginsburg mm-hmm. v. Lawyer name, lawyer name, LLC. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just.
1: But I think that's what's kind of amazing about her and her story is that. She just, she saw it happening and she just found a way around it in a very like quiet way of just, she was just like, okay, I see all of this happening and I will simply just find the most brilliant way to overturn gender discrimination. And how do I do that? I use, I use the most powerful thing in the world, men, white men to get it done.
0: Oh, she's so good.
1: And then finally, I'm gonna end with this quote. Everybody okay. knows it, but I love it. But it's a great one to end on. So this quote is about female justices on the Supreme Court.
0: Love. Okay. When,
1: mm-hmm. when I'm sometimes asked when there will be enough women on the Supreme Court, I say when there are nine. People are shocked, but there have been nine men, and nobody's ever raised a question about that.
0: Yes, honey, get it. And I get think that, it.
1: that quote, like surmises her entire career. It's just pointing out this thing of like, why is it crazy that I want nine women? We've had nine men for literally all of history until Sandra Day O'Connor. I don't see why it's I don't see why. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. And those are my notes on RBG. You did so well, honey. Thank you. I mean, there's just there's so many amazing resources about her. It's like if any of this piques your interest, like, just Google. I mean, she, there's a great book. I mean, there's, there's so many yeah. great books. There's yep. the documentary that I've mentioned. There's just, I mean, she's all over the place. Yeah. Another fun fact about her, she was, like, best friends with Antonin Scalia. Yeah, they like, were really tight. Best friends. She loves opera.
0: Like, oh, she loves opera. She loves opera. That's so interesting. You know,
1: like the yep. fun facts are never ending with this one. She's just truly one of a kind. I love. And we owe her so much, you know, as as humans and as specifically women. Yeah. You know, or as I should say, as non-white males. hmm. We owe her so much. Yep. And, you know, we just want to keep her safe.
0: So not you know, keep her safe. Wrap her in some bubble wrap, and nobody break her. Yeah. Shit. January twenty one. That's it. We just that's all right. we. That's so, <laughs> so close. It's so
1: close. It's so close. It's six
0: months. It's like six months almost to the day. Yeah. We're so we're so close. Rbg, just please. I think, please, she'll, please. Be fine. I she think she'll be fine. She did say
1: she um when she was giving an update, like so. Basically, she just announced that she had undergone more treatment because cancer had returned i think she had like it's in her liver or something like that and she was you know she's like i'm home i'm recovering and i've been keeping up with my scotus work and i've always said that i will stay on the bench as long as i am able to keep up with the work and i am able to keep up with the work i love it you know and i'm just like yeah Mm -hmm. she's all there you read her stuff she's all there. like she's all there she's i mean when you when you see her in the in the court she's
0: Tiny, tiny, itty-bitty, tiny little human And also those chairs are
1: so large. Those chairs are ridiculous. The tallest chairs you could possibly think of. And they put Ruth in this
0: big-ass chair. It's crazy. It's really, that whole stage setup is so gaudy. And then you're just like, look at who's up here. Fucking Kavanaugh? Sitting in, like, this tall chair with these red-ass curtains. And then, like, little tiny. The curtains are a lot. The curtains are a lot. And then little Ginsburg is just like. Yeah. Little like shrinking by the minute. Just so funny. Well,
1: and it's also like because like the the benches are divided up into threes. So in the center three, it's obviously John Roberts in the middle. And then I think to the right, if you're looking at him, is Ginsburg. And then to the left is Clarence Thomas. Yeah. And even like that trio is just like a dynamic trio if there ever was one. Uh, Yes. And I think on the right, it's. Kagan, yeah, mm, is it a no? It's Kagan, Breyer, and Kavanaugh, and then I believe it's yep. Sotomayor.
0: Yeah, they were on the left.
1: Alito and um, Gorsuch on the left. Yep, yep. You know, but that that center trio is like a
0: whoa. That center trio Talk about is. it.
1: It's literally like decades. left, right, center. Yep, is what it is. Which is kind of
0: like the ideal of the court in a like sure. you know, sure, but. But what a mind-boggling. It was so funny to be there and see that. Yeah. Yep.
1: But that's RBG, you guys. And that is our SCOTUS biopic biopic series. It's yay. It's it's over. That was the last one for now. That was the last one. Yeah. And we'll have to find other people. Oh Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. Who could we <laughs> people possibly? People make me less mad. I know.
1: I feel like we should start going through, like, presidents and shit. Oh, yeah, we could do presidents,
0: presidents and shit. presidents and we shit. should do like presidents. And then we should do like first ladies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we should. Well, we should. Yeah, we should definitely do first ladies because there's some bumping first ladies. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> there they really are. For sure. Oh, my For sure. God. For sure.
1: But guys, that was our episode for today. Yes. We, ov- we obviously love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday.
0: Bye.